Come on. In your face section with Pete Cabrera Jr. Oh, Jesus, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. My name is Pete Cabrera Jr. with the Royal Family International University and School of Identity and Lifestyle. And you are listening to the All Jesus Podcast. And tonight, we're going to be talking about rooting out the devil, the origins of a devil. Like, what does that even mean? You know, because a lot of us, we have these wrestles, right? A lot of us wrestle. We wrestle, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against piss patterns. But like, what is all that about? Right? But let's talk about some stuff. You want to do that? Let's just do it. <laughs> oh, man. I love that track, man. I love that track. So here's some questions. We're going to start off, okay? This is rooting out the devil, the origins of a devil. So here are the questions that I'm going to be asking. And all I ask is that everything that I talk about in this podcast, all I ask is that you go to your Bible, you read the scriptures, you talk to God about it. Because we have a lot of people that will tell you, hey, this is what I think, this is what I believe, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that will say, hey, let's go to our Bibles. Let's hear about what the word has to say about what we believe and what we think. Because sometimes what ends up happening is we as Christians is we get a belief system that was handed down from somebody else. And so we all carry on these belief systems and we never really question why we believed it in the first place. And if you're in certain Christian circles, you know, you kind of pick up these belief systems, you kind of pick them up. And unfortunately, we never really do the homework. We really never really ask why it is we believe what it is that we're believing. So I'm going to ask the questions. Now, these are going to be the kind of questions that are going to cause problems, but they're supposed to cause problems because I'm supposed to question where I'm at. Not that I'm questioning God, but I'm questioning why I believe what I believe. And realistically, if my walk is not producing life, if my walk is not producing what it is that Christ said I was going to be producing in the spirit, then I need to question my belief systems a little bit. So that being said, we're going to start. Question number one. What is a child of a devil? Question number one. Give that some thought. Number two. What is the origin of a child of a devil? Question number three. What does a child of a devil grow up to be? Question number four. What is the determining factor whether or not someone is a child of a devil or not? Question number five. What does it mean to cast out devils? Question number six. Does casting out devils always have to be a spiritual act question number seven can a person manifest a devil without actually having one or being one number eight in what ways does a devil manifest now these are questions that i always ask as a minister i need to know this uh, you're probably asking me what, what's the difference why do you need to know because i need to know what's going on because nine times out of ten the people that we run into are carnal Nine times out of 10, the people that we run, run into in the church don't know their word well enough. They don't do the work. They don't do the study. And they just pick up what it is that they believe they have. And then they, you really, we really don't help them in most cases if we don't train them to stay free. So let me ask a question. What is a child of a devil? Okay, so according to 1 John 3.10, I'm just going to read this off. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, 
nor is the one who does not love his brother. The King James says it this way. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not do righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. Now I'm going to read the whole thing. First John 3, 10 through 13 in context. First John 3, 10 in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loves his brother. Number 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and slew his brother and who so far slew him because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know no murder hath eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3.12 says this about Cain. This is very interesting because it says here in scripture that Cain was of the wicked one. And I want to talk about why he was of the wicked one. And what does that even mean? 1 John 3.12 not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. This is talking about his works, not his spirit. I love how it says this. You know, we, we would address the spirit of Cain, and I want to talk about what the difference was between the spirit of Cain and the spirit of Abel, because we know they both were not born again. And I'm going to be talking about this in the scriptures that talks about that we were all dead in Adam, which means that Cain and Abel were both fallen. So we have to address what's the difference between Cain and Abel. This is talking about his works, the works of Cain, not the spirit. Why is that? It seems that God had told Cain that he could have power over his choices, even though he was of the evil one. Why was Cain of the wicked one? We need to find that out. Genesis, and you're going to ask yourself, why are you going all the way back to Genesis? We go all the way back to Genesis because it was two births that happened. One that was Cain and one that was Abel. And we need to know this because the scripture talks about the corruptible seed and incorruptible seed. We talk about the seed of the serpent, the seed of the woman. We talk about the lineage that Christ comes through. This is very important. And, you know, I did a teaching on the Behor that talks about the one who inherits sin. And so... What happens with Cain? And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just keep going. And I'm going to address this as we go on. Because I want to show you that there is something in Scripture that we are missing when it comes to what a devil is. And I want to point it out. Genesis chapter 4, 3 through 7 says this about Cain. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the first fruits of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and unto his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? And why is it your countenance is fallen? Why are you sad? Basically saying, fix your face. Why are you walking around sad? What's going on? You know, and you'll run into people that will say, you know, the reason that he didn't accept Cain's offering was because it was of the ground or it was in the first fruits, yada, yada, yay. But the verses confirm here in scripture that the reason he wasn't accepted was because Cain wasn't doing what was acceptable. He says, if you do what's good, you'll be accepted. If you don't do good, sin lies at the door. I'm about to read that. So it's about what he's doing. It's about his heart. Okay. If you do well, this is seven. 
Genesis 4, 7. If thou does well, you'll be accepted. If you don't do good, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be his desires, and thou shalt rule over him. This is very interesting. Because I always ask this question. Why does he say rule over him? Why does it say rule over it? And even if it said rule over it, what is it exactly? Genesis chapter 4, 6 through 7 said this this way. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Sin is eager to control you is what it says, but you must subdue it. Here, sin is an it, but in the other verse, it's a him. So what is it exactly? What is this sin? It seems as though it's, it's a feeling or a desire to do something that is not right or going against God's commandments or transgressing another person or basically just doing something that you should not be doing. So why is he doing that? That's the question. And, and where is this coming from? Is this, is this like a, a evil inclination that's floating around? Where, where are these decisions coming from? And Cain, where's Cain? Where's he processing what he's doing? Where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? Genesis 8.21 confirms, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I love how it says in God's heart, it says in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything that's living as I've done. Man's heart is a determining factor. What's the difference between Cain's heart and Abel's heart if they're both fallen, if they're both fallen, they're both fallen. After the incident in the Garden of Eden, they're, they're fallen. They're, they're what we would call lost. Both of them are born into sin. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be alive. So we have to confirm that Cain and Abel and everybody else until the born again experience are spiritually dead. But we're trying to find out what a devil is, okay? So we have to go all the way to the fall. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to say, well, well, what about the serpent? At this point, the serpent is not, he's not in the story, okay? What I mean by that is he's not addressing the serpent. We know he was cursed. He went on his belly. But what is being addressed is its seed. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Because Cain did not say to God, hey, you know, the serpent spoke to me, the serpent that, you know, tricked my mom and had my daddy talk to me. That's not what's going on here. That's not what's happening. So what's the difference between Cain and Abel? We're going to find out right here in Luke eleven fifty through 51. Here's what Jesus is saying. You know, when I read this the first time, I was floored when I read this because this, this, this clears up so much. Luke eleven fifty 50 through 51, that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which is perished between the altars and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Abel was appointed to serve as a prophet to God at birth. Abel was set aside and appointed for God. I'm going to show it to you here in Genesis chapter 4, 25. So here's the difference between Cain and Abel right here. Genesis 4, 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bared a son and called his name Seth. For God said, she has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain 
slew. Which means that this seed that's coming next is taking the place of Abel. But according to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, 50 and 51, Abel was a prophet. Now, if you understand what a prophet does, a prophet is someone who turns the hearts back to God. That's the job of a prophet. If you know what a prophet does, he gets people to repent. Prophets get a whole nation to repent in most cases. And a prophet goes to, to cities before they're going to be destroyed and speaks to the people on their behalf saying, hey, if you don't turn from your wicked ways, you're going to be destroyed. That's what a prophet does. So we're only to assume that the prophet that is able is speaking to Cain on God's behalf. We know this because God tells Cain, if you do right, you'll be accepted, which proves he's not doing right because he doesn't accept his sacrifice because he doesn't want his sacrifice. He wants his obedience. And once again, we confirmed in Genesis chapter 8, 21, that it's his heart. His heart was evil. So we're going to find out why the heart is evil. And was Abel's heart evil? That's the question. Are both hearts the same? Okay, here we go. So Abel is appointed. And Genesis 4.25 confirms this. And Adam knew his wife again, bared a son. And he says, hey, she's appointed me into the seed instead of the one that Abel slew. In this context, seed means children, guys. Children. Can we say that seed is what determines what will grow? So the seed will determine what's going to grow. So if it's the seed of the serpent. We're assuming that that's called a child of the devil because if it's going to grow into something, because if it's a, it's a child, what does a child grow into? One of the questions that I always ask the students is, what does a child of the devil grow up to be? And this is a whole nother question because spirits don't grow. We grow spiritually, but it's not our spirit that's growing. It's our knowledge and understanding of who we are in the spirit. That's what's growing. The spirit itself doesn't grow. So when we say you're growing spiritually, it's not that you're growing in the spirit. It means that you're finding out who you are in the spirit, and that's the growth that starts to manifest. Here's another question. So a child of a devil wouldn't be a spirit because it's a seed, which means a child, which means being birthed. And it grows. And it, this is very interesting because we're going to talk about this here in a little bit because here we're going to address the, the father of lies. They say your father, the devil. So where are these children coming from? So here we go. Let's go to Genesis chapter 315. I have to address this. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Now, this is uh, when God is speaking to the serpent after Adam and Eve have eaten. If you know uh, the context of Genesis chapter 3, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, they fell. Uh, he, was, he was naked. He hid from God. He was afraid. And this is what's going on. And he addresses the serpent. And Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Now, thee, there's the serpent. I will put enmity between thee, the serpent. And the woman, and between thy seed, this is the seed of the serpent, and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his head. So we have the serpent that has seed, and we have the woman that has seed, which is very interesting because seed means children. So this, this, where, how is this happening? Okay. This is speaking of the lineage that will bring forth the Christ. That's the seed of Christ that comes through Seth. Okay. The Seth seed. After the flood, the lineage continues through Noah, who walked with God, then through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so on and so forth. Let's not forget 1 John 3.10. In this, the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. Let's not forget these are two kingdoms that have children, children of light. Children of darkness, according to the scriptures. If you go to 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, it confirms that you are of the children of the light. 
and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. That's what First Thessalonians 5, 5 confirms that we're the children of the light, children of light. Christ will come as a seed that was sowed into a man named Christ. We find this out of Jesus the Christ. You know, he's Jesus. And we find out through um, Isaiah 53.10 that he sowed his soul. He gave his soul as a sin offering for man, right? So we know that this is what's going on. I'm going to read it here in a little bit. But Jesus, Jesus is born through a woman. And what's inside of him is the seed that is of God. And we're going to be talking about that when it comes to being born again and why that's so important for us. And what is the seed that was inside of us before we gave our life to Jesus? And where did that seed come from? So let me confirm Isaiah 53, 1 through 8. This is talking about the Christ that's going to come. Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. I love how they use the... the um, the language of, of a root and of a plant, which means it's a seed that's going to grow into a root and into a plant. I love that context because it's talking about the seed that's the Christ, right? So it says right here, and as root out of the dry ground, he has no form, no colonness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and, and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of god and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions we all know the scripture he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of peace was upon him and with his, by his stripes we were healed this is the most famous verse that we all use all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he was brought as a, as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment who was declared his generation. He was cut off out of the land of the living of the transgressors of the people who was he was stricken. So this is very important because this is talking about Jesus, who is the seed. This is speaking of the Christ that will come as a seed, a child of God. In this context, he's spoken about as a plant that will grow. This seed would also be planted in into the earth we know this in matthew chapter 12 verse 40 jesus says this for as jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth the origins of the man's vessel is from the earth the origins which means that we come from the dirt guys and this is so interesting because this scripture tells us that Jesus is going to be sown as a seed into the heart of the earth. And the reason that is, is because we come from the dirt. I'm going to read these scriptures to you. And in order for him to redeem man, he has to redeem the earth, which means that he has to be sowed into the earth because the origin of who we are comes from the dirt. So it only makes sense that he would go into the earth first because that's the root of the body that we now carry comes from the dirt. This is very interesting. Ezekiel 36, 26 says a new heart also will i give you and a new spirit will i put within you and i will take away the stony heart of your flesh and i will give you a heart of flesh so at the born again experience we get a new heart which is very interesting because god is sony jesus into the heart of the earth and yet here we are made of dirt and he sows us into our hearts which is very interesting man being dirt also gets the seed sown into his heart as well as the earth which is mind-boggling as a seed which is the christ now 
John chapter 12, 24 through 25. This is what Jesus is saying. And, and you ask yourself, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because there's this factor that we have to address. There's something in our hearts before we give our lives to Jesus. Our hearts are not pure before we come to Christ. We have a stony heart. And he says he gives us a new heart. And he puts within our new heart a new spirit. I'm going to address what that spirit is before it's removed, before it dies, before you get the, the spirit of Christ. What is the seed and what is the origin of it and what does it produce? What does that seed produce? So here it is, John chapter 12, 24 through 25. Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. This Jesus spoke to confirm that he would die as a seed. And in sowing it, it would produce much fruit. This is the Christ. He's talking about he has to die. This is the seed. And guys, for you guys that are listening, if you wouldn't mind hearing, hitting the share and the like button, I'd appreciate it. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 21. But now... Is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept? For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. This scripture here is confirming that the first fruits comes because Jesus was sown. And from the seed, there was a harvest. This is interesting because when this says that for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. This is why man can resurrect the dead through Christ. Because of this verse here, it says that because of this, the man can resurrect the dead. Because it says here, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. By man, the new man, the Christ in you has that power. That's why you can resurrect the dead as a man right there. The seed is sown into the stony heart of man, into man who is dirt, according to Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Also in Genesis 3, 19, and the sweat of the face, thou shalt eat bread, till thou return into the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. At the born-again experience, we receive the Spirit of Christ that makes us a new creation, but it's sowed into the dirt. You were dirt. And the seed is sown into you. This is why, you know, we produce fruit. This is why, you know, it's called the fruit of the spirit. You know, it's very interesting. And, and just to confirm this, that you get a seed sown into your heart, that he removes a heart of stone, gives you a heart of flesh, and puts his seed into your heart. This is a conversation that I like to have about, you know, what actually lives in your heart. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 confirms this. It says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, which means that the Christ is placed into your heart. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And after we get a new heart, God places the spirit of Christ in your heart. This is the new spirit, the spirit of his son. This is the Christ known as the seed of God. Now hear me out. Before you had the seed of Christ in your heart, what lived in your heart? That's a question you got to ask yourself. 
Because if you have the spirit of the Christ in your heart, then you're going to be manifesting the spirit of Christ. Therefore, we manifest a child of God because the seed produces a child that manifests a child of God. Are you following me? A seed sown into your heart manifests and produces a child of God. This only makes sense when you understand that what's on the inside of you is the spirit of the living God. That's a seed that's been sown into you that's going to produce. So then the question is, what was in your heart before you gave your life to Jesus? What spirit was that? And where did that spirit come from? And what did that spirit produce? And if that spirit came from your father and your father was the devil, then that would mean that you were a child of the devil and you were manifesting a devil. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Now, you're going to chew on this for a little bit, but give this some thought. First Peter one twenty three confirms being born again, being born again, not of corruptible seed. That's the one you had before. So you're being born again, but not with the same seed you had before, but of the incorruptible seed by the word of God. And we know the word of God is Jesus. Jesus is the word in the beginning was the word. John one, one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. So first Peter one twenty three, being born again, not of corruptible seed, not the seed that you were one with before you gave your life to, to Christ, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we get this new seed that's incorruptible. Second Corinthians five seventeen. therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's address some. Who's the word of God? We know that John one fourteen is the Christ. Christ is the word of God. Let's not forget before we gave our lives to Jesus, we had the spirit of error in our stony hearts that made us children of the devil. We were by nature the children of wrath. Like nobody's going to argue the fact that before you gave your life to Christ, you were a child of a devil. You were a child of the devil. You were going to hell. You were going to hell in a handbasket. You needed saved. You were going where devils and demons and everything else was going because by nature, you were a part of that nature and you needed to be killed. You couldn't be fixed. You had to be thrown into the fire. You were going into the fire no matter what. According to the verses, according to the scripture, Ephesians 2, 3, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Here it is. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And people always tell me, look, Pete, we all have a sin nature. No, we don't. We had a sin nature before we came to Christ. We died. And we are now partakers of his divine nature. We don't have these two natures on the inside of us. That's not what's going on here. What's happening is we don't know who we are. And we're double-minded. We're not double-spirited. We're not living in two nations. We're not living in two kingdoms. We're living in two mindsets. This is why Romans chapter 12 verse 2 is so vital. It tells us do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which means you got to renew your mind to who you are now. But you don't have two spirits on the inside of you. That's just crazy. You have one spirit on the inside of you. 
And I'm going to confirm that here as we go on. So we were by nature the children of wrath because when Adam fell, he was a room, that Hebrew word means uh, subtle, which is the same word that talks about that the serpent was more subtle. And that word subtle also means a room, which means naked, which means the nature of the serpent. And Adam fell and became, as the serpent was, naked in a room, which means he put on the nature. And by nature, he was fallen. By nature, he became carnal. By nature, he died. By nature, this is, this is a nature. We became one by that. Look, we teach identity. He identified with the fall. You're either identifying with the lie or you're identifying with the truth. There is no in-between. And if it is an in-between, it's called double-minded and you need to make up your mind. Either you're saved or you're not. Either you're in Christ or you're not. Either you're in the flesh or you're in the spirit. Either you're, you're, you're carnal or you're a spirit being. I mean, you got to figure it out according to scripture. Let's not forget. There are only two types of children. There ain't three types. There's two types. Let's not forget. The children of God and the children of wrath. What's the determining factor between the two? And what makes a child of wrath and what makes a child of God? Have you ever asked those questions? The children of the devil are the children of disobedience according to scripture. Let me show it to you. The children of the devil are the children of disobedience. Let me show it to you. Ephesians 2.2. 2. We got to ask the hard questions. We got to ask them. Ephesians 2.2. 2. Where in time past, we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Okay, so that spirit works in the children of disobedience. So it's on the inside of them. Yes, this is why you have to be born again. You have to be born again. If you're not born again, the spirit is still inside of you and you're still a child of wrath, which is a child of a devil, according to the verse. So the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, that now, it's not later, not in the past, now. So it's still now in the children of disobedience. That's where it's at. What is the origin of the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience? It's a spirit of error that is working in them. The corruptible seed is the spirit of error that causes us to identify with the fall and carnality and the devil. No one will argue that. No one. Because that's the origin of the fall. Fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind. We're going to read it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversations in time past. And the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. This fallen nature wanted us to fulfill its will, guys. It was the will of the devil, the will of the flesh, the will of the fall. You know, Jesus said, Not my will be done, but your will be done. We know that that will is the will of the flesh. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, he wasn't sinful, but he had flesh. He says he learned obedience through suffering. He had to learn and he grew in the knowledge. This is very vital because this means he's growing in the knowledge of who he is in the spirit. This fallen nature wanted to fulfill its will through us. We call this the will of the flesh. Children of the devil fulfilling the will of the flesh, not of the spirit. Galatians 5, 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. 
and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, that you cannot do the things you would. So we have the desires of the flesh and desires of the spirit. Now we know that if you're in the flesh, you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if you're in the spirit, you're going to fulfill the lust of the spirit. This is why Romans chapter eight is so vital. It says those who are in the flesh cannot please God because that's not who we are. We were once in the flesh, but we are now in the spirit for we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit of the spirit of God lives in you. First John four, two hereby know ye the spirit of God. This is how you know right here. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. First John four, three and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So here we have two. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. Let me, let me, let me slow down right here because we're going to address this. Did you hear what it said? And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Wherefore you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. Have you notice this is now because it says it's in the children. Now, in the children of disobedience, now in the world, now, now, first John four, two through six, whereby, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the antichrist. Wherefore you've heard that it should come. And now already is in the world. You are of God, little children and have overcome them because greater is he that's in you. Greater is he that's in you. than he that's in the world. Those are identities, ladies and gentlemen. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Therefore, speak they of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knoweth God, heareth us. He that is not of God, heareth not us. Whereby know ye the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Sounds like the other spirits way off. <laughs> okay, two spirits. One whose truth known as the Christ and one known as the Antichrist spirit who we know as the devil. Look, man, we're all waiting for the Antichrist in Revelation. People are like, oh, the Antichrist is going to come. The Antichrist. But here the scripture says he's already in the world. Two spirits. One who is truth. One spirit that is truth known as Christ. And one known, this is the other one, known as the Antichrist spirit who we all know as the devil. The antichrist spirit of the devil, which we all confirm is the devil. So here we go. The first spirit is of Christ and produces children of God. We confirm that. Look, it goes seed. Spirit produces a child of God. Second. The second spirit is of the devil. It's a seed. It produces a child of the devil. Do you see how this works? Look. First seed which is of Christ, produces a child, which is called a child of God, which is the son of God. Yeah. Second seed, which is of the devil, which is the fallen seed, the corruptible seed, produces a child of the devil that grows up to be a devil. You see how that works? First John 3.10 through 13. In this, the children of God are manifest. Okay, so children of God manifest all the time. You very rarely see it though because everybody's talking about the other spirit that's manifesting. We never talk about this spirit when this spirit's manifesting. Why is that? First John 3, 10, 13. Read it again. 
In this, the children of God are manifest. And the children of the devil. Wait, what? Children of the devil are manifesting? Yeah, that's what it says. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither he, he that loves his brother. So we just confirm that the heart and what's in the heart as a seed of the spirit determines what we are according to God's word. So based on the seed that's on the inside of you determines your identity. Old heart with the corruptible seed confirms that we are children of the devil by nature. I just read you the verses. And the new heart with the spirit of God known as the Christ, who's the seed of God, produces a child of God by nature. Here we have two natures. Very interesting. Children of God versus children of the devil. So then what is manifesting and how does it manifest according to these scriptures? The core of the children is determined by the seed that is the spirit they are one with. Let me read that again. According to these scriptures, the core of the children is determined by the seed that is the spirit that confirms what they are one with. What does a child of a devil grow up to be? Give that some thought. Hey, and we're going to run into some stuff here in a little bit because you're going to be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I know where we're going to go. I said, I'm just trying to confirm what we were before we gave our life to Jesus according to Scripture. Everyone who was not born again was a slave to sin. It was your master. You were a child of the devil. Your father was the devil and the works of your father, you did. No one will argue that. No one. John 14, 9. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet has thou known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the father. And how you, you say, then show us the father. John 5, 19. Then answered Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For what things soever he does, these also does the son likewise. John 10, 30. I and my father are one. This is talking about his identity in the spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Jesus is confirming He's one with God in the spirit. Jesus knows the difference between who he was in the spirit and who the man was in the flesh. Jesus, the man, is the man with the spirit of Christ in him. Jesus, the Christ, the man, the vessel, born of a woman here on earth with the spirit of the living God, making Jesus the Christ a partaker of his divine nature. Colossians 2.9, for in him, this is Jesus, in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Guys, what you have to say about Jesus, you have to say about yourself. Everything that you say about Jesus, you have to say about yourself. Because as he is, so are you in this world. So we can confirm that the body that Jesus walked around in was of the earth and from a woman known as Mary. God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son equals a child of God. Here we go. I'm going to read it again. God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son equal a child of God. Satan the father of lies and fallen man equals a child of a devil. See how that works? Both children manifest the spirit that is in them. The seed is what they identify with through the soul. The soul is who we truly are. The soul identifies with the spirit that it's one with. And what we're one with determines our identity here on earth. 
The soul is one with the spirit of error and a slave to sin before the born again experience. The soul becomes one with the spirit of God through Christ at the born again experience. God through a vessel manifests his son through the Christ, the spirit of truth resulting in a child of God. Satan through a vessel manifests his son through the devil, the spirit of error resulting in a child of a devil. Let me read both of those again. God through a vessel manifests his son through the Christ, which is the spirit of truth resulting in a child of God. That's who we are. Now watch this before we give our lives to Christ. Satan through the vessel manifested a son through the devil, which is the spirit of error resulting in a child of a devil. This simple when she, when she break it down, both of these children are manifesting. Both of these identities are manifesting in this world. John 8, 4, 4. This is what Jesus says. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he's a liar and the father of it. This is Jesus talking. Now, remember, he was talking to people who were the Jew, the Jewish elites, the Pharisees and Sadducees who would not allow the people to enter the kingdom. He's telling them, your father's the devil. Now, remember, these people are actually stoning people, casting people out, throwing them out of synagogues, and Jesus confirming who they are. We are assuming that this is talking about Cain, since murder is a spilling of innocent blood and taking a life when he talks about your father's a murderer. Now, we know that the serpent didn't murder or shed blood. Cain did that. Cain biblically is the first murderer and the first person to lie to God to his face. My God. You know, scripture says every man's a liar. Very interesting. Every man's a liar. Let God be true. Why, why do you say that? Because remember, Jesus came fully man to kill that part of us off. Let us not forget, Cain was of the wicked one. 1 John 3.12 confirms that. James 1.15. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Where does this lust come from? What is the root of it? <laughs> what is the root of all this? Have you ever thought about it? 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and, I've, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Once again, who is this he in this verse? It seems you can be in the world and not be of it. According to this verse, according to John 17, 15 through 17, Jesus says this. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify means to set them apart, to set them apart. He sanctified himself and set them apart, which is very interesting. John 17, 18 through 19, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified through the truth. John 17, 21 through 23, that they all may be one. This is why he's sanctifying them. This is why he's pulling them apart right here. That they all may be one as thou, Father, are in me and I in thee, 
that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I give them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Very interesting. John 17, 26, and I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it, that the love there with thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. I love that. Jesus is speaking of himself, the seed of truth. Come on, man. The spirit of his son that caused his heart to cry out, Abba, Father. This is the seed that was in the Christ. This is the seed that, we're, that we all get at the born-again experience, guys. When Jesus tells them, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, that's what all that's about. Get me into you. Eat my flesh. Drink of my blood. Like, become one with me. That's what all that's about. That's what the Passover lamb's about. It's about we become one with the lamb. How do you show that spiritual truth in a physical way? The only way you can do it is through a Passover lamb, through the breaking of bread, through the drinking of wine. This is before the Holy Spirit comes and makes you one with the Spirit of Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 17. So Jesus is showing these pictures. He's showing as they're eating, as, as he's saying, I'm the lamb. This is what you're eating. I'm this lamb. I'm this bread. That's what all that's about. So the determining factor has to be the heart and the spirit. That's why we get a new heart and a new spirit. We had the heart of stone and the spirit of error before we gave our lives to Jesus. The corruptible seed, according to 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and by the forever. This is addressing the core of what makes a man of sin. We were all one with sin. All of us because of this. Romans 6.6 6 will confirm this. I'm going to read it. Here it is. I love how it starts off. It starts off knowing this. So here it goes. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Did this say the old man was crucified with him? So who's the old man? In this verse, who is this old man? Let's read it in context. What is Paul actually saying? Okay, let's go. Here it is. Remember, we need to find out who the old man is. Remember, we all had the antichrist spirit living on the inside of us. We were all identifying with that spirit. We were one with that spirit we were manifesting the identity and realities of that spirit we were a slave to that spirit it was our master we had to be purchased we had to be delivered from that spirit very interesting it was the core of who we were before we gave our lives to jesus romans chapter 6 3 through 16 i'm gonna read it to you know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Okay, what was baptized into his death? What died in his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Okay, what's being buried with him into baptism? Because I'm right here. I'm right here. I, I'm not in a hole. I'm not on a cross. Like, I'm, I'm right here. What is this talking about? 
Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life, which I do now. I walk in newness of life. But why do I get to walk in newness of life? Because something died. Something was put in a hole. Something was destroyed. Something was killed. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. The question is, was I planted in the likeness of his death? And what was planted in the likeness of his death? Was this just something that we say or did it actually happen? So when God saw us give our lives to Jesus, did he actually see the old man die? Did the old man die in the eyes of God? When God sees, does he see the old man or does he believe that he put it in a hole? Or does he believe that he put it on a cross? Or does he believe that when Christ died, the old man died with him? Does he believe that? Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Come on, I'm going to read that again. Knowing this, that our old man, who is this old man? Who is this man of sin? He was who I was. He was my identity. He is who, who I was. That was me. That's the old me. Knowing this, that the old me was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve the old me, sin. For he that is dead is freed from the old me, sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died into sin once, which means he died for the old man one time. He died for your identity one time. He killed it. He knows what he did. He, he, man, he knocked it out. He killed it. He destroyed it. He, he ain't scratching his head like, I wonder if I killed the old man. No, once and for all. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ the Lord. So look, if the scriptures here is telling me that Jesus died once and for all, and that the old man's dead. And it tells me that I should reckon myself dead to that identity, dead to the antichrist spirit, dead to the spirit of error, dead to that reality, dead to everything that I was. I was a child of the devil. I was part of the devil. I was a partaker of death. I was in death. I was dead. I was not alive. That was my identity fully. I was manifesting the demonic. I was thinking demonic. I was talking demonic. Everything about me was demonic. No one argue that. Because it even says that a natural man will not receive the things of God. There'll be foolishness unto him. And it also says that earthly wisdom is demonic. So everything about you before you came to Christ was a devil. You didn't have a devil. It's what you were. It's mind boggling. It's what you were. No one argue that. No one argue that you were a devil before you gave your life to Christ. Now, if you do argue, what well, well, determines that I was a child of a devil. Mind boggling. Here we go. 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. This is my mortal body. That don't reign in here. Reign means it doesn't rule. It doesn't run things. It doesn't rule. No, it's dead. Why? Because I reckon myself dead to that. Why? Because it is dead. That you should obey in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, which means don't give your tools, don't give your body, don't give anything, don't give no place to the devil, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall no longer be your master. Why does it say master? Because you're not under the law, but in the grace, but it says master. We're going to talk about why it says master. What then? 
Shall we sin? Shall we continue in sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield service to obey, which means who you listen to. This is why Adam and Eve listened to the serpent. They became slaves. They listened to him. Servants to obey. His servants you are to whom to obey. Whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Did we identify with sin after the fall? If we were slaves to sin and it was our master and the scriptures tell us we shouldn't serve two masters, what is this suggesting to us? How can sin be our master? Give that some thought. Have you noticed that rabbi means master? It means teacher? That's mind-boggling to me. They call Jesus the master. Romans 6.14 For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Romans 6.16 Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteousness living. Matthew 6.24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other. Ephesians 5.8, for we were once darkness, but now we're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, why am I reading these verses to you? Because I'm confirming the origin of a child of a devil. The origin of a child of a devil is in the seed before you give your life to Jesus. It's in the corruptible seed. I'm going to continue talking about what is actually going on because in Hebrews chapter 2.14, it says that the children are partakers of flesh and blood. And Jesus likewise partook of the same, that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So how did Jesus destroy the devil in that verse? And how he destroyed the devil was he went to the cross and he died on the cross and he was put in a hole and he conquered death, hell in the grave and he got up. But how does that destroy the devil? Well, in the context of what a devil actually is, it's the nature of the fall. It's the man who does not live for God. It's the man who does not do what is right in the eyes of God. It's a child of disobedience because the scripture says the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, which that spirit was on the inside of you before you gave your life to Christ. So let me ask a question, and we're going to talk about this in the next podcast. I'm addressing the origin, and the origin comes from Cain. Do your homework on this. Cain was the firstborn. And if you notice in scripture, what happens to Cain is that he has to till the ground because that's the curse. It says that you will till the ground from the sweat of your brow. You'll eat bread. And you notice this is what Cain is doing. Cain is tilling the ground because he's the firstborn. And there's this word called Behor, which means the one who receives the inheritance of the father that's handed down from generation to generation. It's called an inheritance. Cain inherited sin. His name means to acquire. So why didn't Abel inherit sin? Because he's not the firstborn. Now, you'll find out later on, and there's so much to talk about this because the Bible talks about in Leviticus about the two goats. They look identical. One is the escape goat and one that one is actually one that dies. And the scapegoat is the one that goes into the desert. And if you guys know the story, they get they get this goat, they tie a red string around its horn, right? And they throw it over a cliff or they throw it off the temple. They could throw it off anything. And when it dies, it pays for the sins. It, it, it atones for the sins of the people. And there's this, this cord that turns red. 
It's white and it turns red and it means it atones. Which is very interesting because there's a verse in the Bible that the devil tells Jesus, throw yourself off the temple. This, this is referring to that because he's in the desert as the escape goat during the time of, of, of the fast that he's going through. This is very interesting. This is a whole nother conversation. You can get into, in, into the scriptures, dig this, this stuff up. It goes very deep. It's very in-depth. It's a very in-depth study, but it's there if you know where to look. And when you go to find out that Jesus came with two identities, he came fully man and fully God, but one of those identities had to die because he had to take on your identity and your identity was fallen. Your identity was a child of wrath. Your identity was a child of a devil. That's what you were. You had to, you had to be destroyed. You could not be fixed. You could only manifest what you were. And the seed that was inside of you was not that of God. It was not of God. And Abel had to be, he had to be set apart. He had to be put apart. They had to offer Abel up as a seed. They set him apart. And Noah walked with God. And Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the whole lineage came through that. Moses. And this is the seed that was going to come from heaven, which is the seed, which is the Christ that would come through this lineage that was already set apart to protect the seed that would come and live in all those who took the knee and gave their lives to Jesus. If you do not have this seed on the inside of you, if you do not have this seed on the inside of you, the this, 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 this seed of Christ, you are not considered a child of God. You're not. Because you haven't become one with them. You haven't been impregnated by the Holy Spirit. You cannot manifest. He said, for them who believe, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. The sons of God are those who have the spirit in their heart that cry out, Abba, Father. That's what all that's about. And Deuce, can you lose your salvation? And, and, and Tonio, here's the thing with me. I don't ask whether you can lose your salvation because I always teach this. As long as you're holding on to Christ, as long as you don't let him go, as long as he's your master, you're going to be good because salvation is a walk. So when you're talking about losing your salvation, let me ask you this. In the context of what salvation means, it means that Jesus comes to save you from everything that wrath had for you, that hell had for you, that death had for you, that the devil had for you. You were saved from all of that. There are a lot of believers in Christ. Now, mind you, when I say this, I mean this with all the respect that I can muster. I'm not saying anything bad, but there are a lot of Christians who are in the Christ that haven't been saved from fear even though that's something of the enemy or haven't been saved from, from certain lusts and certain desires and certain things that are not of God because they're not walking it out in Christ. So we can say you're saved and you're going to heaven, but if you're saved, you should be saved from everything that hell has, which is depression, fear, uh, worry, sickness, disease, all the things that hell has with it. You should be saved from that. But what we do is we teach people that salvation is a destination salvation is a person and his name is Jesus. And as long as you're in the Christ, as long as you're in the spirit, as long as you're walking out who the Christ is, you will be saved. It says for those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, which means that you know who Christ is for you in every circumstance. So you walk out your salvation. Cause I know a lot of people that aren't saved from certain things. They talk like they're saved. They act like they're saved, but really they're an addiction. And they're, I'm like, I thought you were saved. Oh, I'm going to heaven. No, 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 no. It's not where you're going. It's what you're bringing. Are you bringing heaven in that situation? Are you bringing the kingdom of God in that situation? Look, the kingdom of God doesn't happen to you. It happens because of you. 
Because you know who you are in the Christ, the kingdom will manifest through a son. And in the same way, hell will manifest through a child of a devil because they can only bring what the seed has. And the seed of error has everything that is not of God, which is death, destruction, sin, sickness, disease, and everything that comes with it. Now, here's what's very interesting. You can be in the Christ and have the mindset of a fallen person. You can have the mindset of a sinner. You can have the mindset of a devil. You can have the mindset. And this is why you need to renew your mind. So you can be full of the spirit of God. You can be full with the spirit, walk the fruit, have the gifts, do all the things that God requires you to do. And you can be so carnal and you'll experience all the things that hell has for you. And you walk around like, I'm highly blessed. I'm highly favored. Oh, and this is why a lot of us are waiting for Jesus to come back because we have nothing to look forward to because we're too busy focusing on hell, death, and the grave instead of focusing on who Christ is in us and proclaiming the kingdom of God. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Bible says Jesus is coming back. And if he says he's coming back, he's coming back. But meanwhile, while we're here, we have work to do. I'm not trying to get you into heaven. I'm trying to get you into the Christ where heaven flows. Because the most beautiful thing that you can ever experience is who the Christ is for you in every circumstance. Think about it. Think about who the Christ is in your relationships. Think about who the Christ is in your marriage. Think about who the Christ is in everything that you're doing. Imagine thinking about who Christ is in everything you do. The heart behind it. Think about the heart of why you eat. Think about the heart of why you get dressed. Think about the heart of why you shower. Think about the heart of why you go to work. Think about the heart of why you take care of your children. Think about the heart of why you love your wife. Think about the heart of why it is you do. Now, if your heart is given to God and you say, look, I eat because I want to be strong because I want to live a long life so I can serve God and I can preach the gospel. Hey, man, I, I, I want to love my kids because I want them to see the Christ in me because I want to serve God through my children so they see who God is for me and he sees who it is for them. Hey, when whenever I go out and I go shopping, I get clothes i want to wear clothes that reflects who the christ is for me so i'm shopping with the understanding that the christ is in me and i want to reflect who the christ is so everything that i do is aimed with a purpose i go to the gym because i want to be strong i want to live a long life i want to be able to do the things that i'm supposed to do as i carry the presence of the living god but how can you carry the presence of the living god if your body's falling apart if your mind is falling apart, if everything around you is falling apart, what good is having the Christ in you if everything's falling apart? It makes no sense. And I'm going to tell you why this is happening. Because we're not teaching the full deity of the Christ. We're not teaching and training people to walk out the Christ in them. They're too busy fighting things. They're too busy rolling on the ground. They're too busy having issues and struggles and yada, yada. They can never get past the issue. And the issue was you were a child of the devil. You were demonic. Put it in the ground. Leave it there. Grow into Christ. Become everything that he called you to be. Manifest who the Christ is. Don't focus on what you used to be. Focus on the kingdom of light. Keep your eyes on God. Grow. Move forward. Find out what's going on. Find out what's going on. And, and I'm going to show you in the next podcast. I'm going to be talking about what was going on when Jesus was casting out devils, spirits, and all these things that were going on. We have to address that biblically because there's something coming out of them. Now, remember, everyone who Jesus ministered to, everyone had the seed of error on the inside of them. None of them 
were born of the Holy Spirit. None of them were children of God by nature. They were believers, but they weren't born again believers. They were followers, but they weren't born again children of God following the Christ. They weren't born again. So what is actually going on? Jesus is administering his power on the people who are still in bondage and corrupted and enslaved to the very thing they were one with. And he was showing them that he could separate them from that spirit. And I'm going to talk about that in the next podcast, how he's talking about the strong man. Why does he say the strong man has to be tied up? Why doesn't he say the strong spirit has to be tied up? Because he's going to be talking about the man. There's a part of you that's a man that has to die. Even Paul confirms, I speak to you as a man because of the weakness of your flesh. He also says, don't you walk this out as men. You're not supposed to walk this out as men. We were all fallen men. We need to learn to walk out the Christ born from above. How do we do that? How do we do that? And we do that by understanding the finished work of Jesus. What does it mean? It is finished. What does that mean? It means you're finished. You are done. Once you give your life to Jesus, the old man's dead. The spirit of error is gone. You are born again by the spirit. And you're learning to renew your mind to walk out what it is that has happened to you. It's not just about what he did for you. It's more about what he did to you. What did he do to you? Look, look, when we fell, the enemy did something to us. The fall did something to us. It changed us. It changed our makeup. It changed everything that we were. Everything. And Jesus comes and changes us. Man, man, (laughs) man, we have to show this biblically what is actually happening. And I'm going to show you as we go on through this series in the church, in the churches. It's very interesting. Christians are not manifesting spirits. They're manifesting carnality. They're manifesting the old man. They're manifesting flesh. They're not manifesting spirits. They're manifesting devils. Jesus cast something out of people. But we're going to talk about what that looks like now in the church. What's it look like now? What's it look like now for a child born of the spirit? What's it look like now? Very interesting. Guys, read your Bibles. Read Acts. Acts like they're trying to figure it out. And then you read the, the letters to the churches, Ephesians, Galatians, Corinthians, you read it as you go on and you start finding out that the battle that's in this church are Christians who are going back to the home and they're going back to the home. They're going back to the man of sin and this stuff's manifesting. Galatians 5.19, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And so now we have a bunch of Christians looking at other Christians and we're seeing the manifestations of the flesh and carnality and we're saying, oh, that's this spirit and that's that spirit. Wait a minute. That spirit's already been dealt with. What you're dealing with now is deception. You're being deceived to manifest a lie because the Bible, oh, we're going to get into that in the next one. I'm just laying a foundation. I tell people this. I won't tell you how to minister. You minister however God tells you. But if you're going in circles and you've been ministering that for 20, 30 years and you're still dealing with your people and they're still going in circles and they're not growing That's because you haven't addressed the seed inside of how can you grow a child of God if you keep speaking carnality over them, if you keep raising them carnal, if you keep 
feeding them like carnal children. If you're not moving from, from what we would call the milk to the meat, how, how can we get mature Christians if we're not teaching them how to be trained in the spirit? Because nine times out of the 10, you can't train if you're too busy fighting things and you don't know what you're fighting. You're just going in circles all day long. Let me give you a recap. I showed you the origin of a devil. That's the origin. Next Friday, we're going to be talking about the spirit. See, because the devil is a manifestation of something. A spirit is the core of it. The core manifestation. Manifestation. It's very interesting. And we're going to address that. So, guys, go through these scriptures. Go through it. There is an enemy. I just showed it to you. There is a spirit. I just showed it to you. I just showed you what a devil is. I just showed you what the spirit of error is. I showed you what happened at the fall. There is an enemy out there. There is what we would call a war out there for people who don't know who they are. There is things that we're wrestling with. And we need to know what it is we're wrestling with. And why we're wrestling with it. And can can you fight the good fight of faith? Yeah. Then that means you could fight the bad fight of faith too. Which means that you could fight the wrong way. And how do you know you're fighting the wrong way? You keep going in circles and you never shake that thing off. A lot of us are getting into the old man and we're fighting ourselves. It's very, it's very interesting. Very interesting. So what are you saying, Pete? That Christians can't have devils? I, I'll go deeper than that. Christians can act like devils. And be devils all day long. If they're deceived, the thing is, be not deceived. And such were some of you. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, if you read it. And you were this. And you were that. You're not that anymore. So what we're fighting is deception. We're being deceived into believing a lie. I want to address some things biblically. I want to look in scripture from, from Acts thereon. I want to find Christians that are manifesting Christians that are manifesting evil spirits in the church. Where are they? And what was Paul's answer? What did he do? What did he do to address that? Because the stuff that I'm seeing now on YouTube and the stuff that I'm seeing all over the place, I don't see it biblically. I don't see it scripturally. I don't see Paul doing that to born again believers filled with the Holy Spirit. I see him confirming their identity and telling them, you know better than that. What are you doing? Man, you've been deceived. 1 Corinthians 5, 5, man, I hand you over to the devil for the destruction of your flesh so that your spirit should be saved. Hey, I hand you over to the devil so you can learn not to blaspheme. That's Paul doing that. Paul's handing people over to the devil. And you know, according to that verse, that's the flesh. According to those verses, handing them over to the flesh, handing them over to carnality, handing them over, handing them over to a reprobate mind, handing them over to it like he's giving it to them. He's not giving them to a spirit. They're deceived. Read your scriptures. It's very interesting. The next podcast. I'm going to address what is happening with Jesus when he's casting out. Because, man, there's things crying out. There's things crying out like, oh, Jesus, have you come to torment us before our time? Yep. That's one crying out. Oh, Jesus, have you come to destroy us before our time? Uh, be quiet. Don't speak. Like, that's Jesus. And, and this stuff's happening. The swine, like, what's going on? People are manifesting. Fun. Something, of course, there's something there. But remember, all that that's manifesting is not inside of you anymore and it has no legal right to you. Those people that he addressed were not born again. They were one with the spirit of error. They had the stony heart. They didn't have a new spirit and they didn't have a new heart. They were under the old covenant and he was casting out things that had legal right to them. That's why he could come back. Oh my gosh, that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. Oh, Jesus. This is hype, man. <laughs> In your face, Sweet Jesus, guys. Jr. 
Oh, Jesus, baby. <laughs> hey, guys, if this has blessed you, if this has blessed you, my PayPal is Ministries at yahoo.com. I'm looking for partners. I'm coming on here. I'm dropping bombs for everybody. I'm breaking it down. I'm, I took off the gloves. I said, no more. We're going to have at it. We're going to have at it in the name of Jesus because I want people free. I want people fighting the good fight of faith. Look, if you're not benefiting from what it is that I'm teaching, I'm just taking from you. Like, you have to go free. You have to be in victory. Look, man. Look, hear me out. Half the stuff that's being given to us, the only ones that benefit from that teaching are the ones teaching it. Because everybody else who's receiving the stuff that they're giving keeps them in bondage and it keeps them coming back and coming back and coming back. Man, I used to sell dope before I gave my life to Christ. I used to sell dope so they could keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. Look, man, there's nothing wrong with coming back, but come back free. Come back strong. Come back changed. Don't be in the same lines over and over and over. Like, if you need me to lay hands on you over and over and over and over, you should be joining me. Like, hey, I've been laying hands on you enough. Get on this side. Help me out. We got people here. We got people to train. We got people to mentor. We got people to build up. People need to go free. People are dying. People are struggling. People have depression. People have all kinds of issues because they're stuck in the lie. And believe it or not, I love God's children. And I don't like to see them suffer, man. And some of us are trading the truth for limelights, for tickets, for shows, and we are struggling and suffering. Man, we are struggling and suffering, man. I don't need to be entertained. I want to be set free. That's the cry of every man. Don't entertain me. Don't lie to me. Give me the truth. If God is who he says he is, why am I stuck? Why am I going in circles? If he has power, why do I feel so weak? If he has power over the demonic, why am I being attacked? Why can't I sleep? Why is this affecting me? If this is true, if this is true, and it is true, the thing is we've been lied to, and we need to confront the lie with the truth. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, and he also says that if you know my word, if you're a student of my word, if you're my disciples, you abide in my word. And my word shall make you free. His word makes you free. Did you know? I'm going to say something. Did you know? If you are demon possessed right now, even as a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, did you know that the word of God works? Did you know that? Did you know you could have a billion demons on the inside of you? And if you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, they will leave on their own according to scripture submit yourself to god resist the devil and he'll flee what if i could teach you to submit yourself to god and to resist if i could teach you that it'll all leave on its own sickness will leave disease will leave fear will leave anger will leave pain will leave depression will leave suicidal thoughts will leave drunkenness it'll all leave on its own look man paul was in prison not because they had him there because he could have danced he could have worshiped god and those doors would have fell off the prison he wasn't in prison because he was bound 
He was in prison because he chose to be there. Nothing can bind a child of God. Nothing, nothing. They all chose to die. They all laid down their lives. All of them. Listen to me. Paul was in prison because he chose to be in prison. He could have walked out of prison anytime he wanted to. He could have just started praising God and the doors would have swung open. Look, guys, the doors can swing open, but we're being told that they can't. We're being told that the enemy has the keys. We're being told that he has power. Man, that's crap, according to scripture. That's dung is what Paul calls it. That's not true. All power and authority was given to Jesus. And if the enemy gets power, it's not because Jesus is giving it to him. It's because we're giving it to him. Once again, if we're giving it to him, it means he didn't have it. So it's just best we don't give him anything except the slap in the mouth. Think about that. Slap in the mouth. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. So, so guys, we're going to call it. So if you guys wouldn't mind, share this with somebody. I'm going to load it up. This is called the, uh, yeah, rooting out the devil, the origins of a devil. You were a devil. You were a child of a devil. And everyone who's not born again is a devil. It's very interesting. The thing is that we shouldn't be labeling people as devils. We should know that what's inside of them is not who they are. And Jesus knew this. So what's inside of them makes them a devil, but their soul is wrapped up in that. And their true identity is a child of God, but they're slaves to that spirit. This is why Jesus could separate soul from spirit because he could purge the soul out of the spirit of error and place it in Christ. So he knows who you are. So when I say a devil, is that what you're manifesting is because you're one with that. Very interesting. We'll talk about that later. So, guys, that being said, love you guys. Be blessed. Be blessed. Oh, Oh my god. Just as hype man. In your face section with Pete Cabrera Jr. Oh Jesus, baby. Yeah.